and welcome to Portraits of Clongos, a podcast series that takes you on a journey into the lives of former pupils of Clongos Wood College. My name is Rossa McDermott, and in this podcast series, we will speak with alumni from Clongos to hear their first-hand accounts of the transformative impact this school has had on their lives. Liam O'Connell was born in Dublin but grew up in Limerick. He didn't attend Clongos, but he did Crescent in Old Belvedere. He was a headmaster in Clongos, Highline Prefect, and we're just talking to him on Portis of Clongos. Liam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Rossin. And the first question, which applies to you as all ex-pupils and non-pupils, is how do you remember Clongoswood College? I have different memories. I was there three times. In 1969, 55 years ago, I went there as lower line prefect. And then after ordination, my first assignment was back to Clongos again in (laughs) 1975. Was that some form of punishment, was it? Well, I wasn't (laughs) mad keen on it, to tell you the truth. And I was there for two years. Mm. And Then I came back again in 1987 as headmaster, having having been on the board for a few years in the interval as well. So three very different times in my life when I was I was 26 the first time I was in my 30s the second time and I was in my 50s the third time. So three very different roles and memories as well. Yeah, the second time was a time I would have met you. You would have been a highlight. That's prefect. right, yes. that's right, yeah. yeah. And I always remember, I've said it to you before, the famous uh, Dublin Airport bombings. You were the, you came up to your breakfast and, because my father was a man called Brian McDermott quoted on the front of the Irish Times, you just flown in from Madrid. And that was my I, father. I, and you came up to I remember that. Yeah. And I remember meeting you down in Kerry on the beach and yes. talking to your dad about it a few yeah. weeks later, yeah. It's amazing things you remember, yeah. yeah. So your memories are, are not all good about the place? Uh, th- they are really. My first time, I was very happy in Mongris as a scholastic mm. and I was doing a certain good amount of teaching. So one morning I came down on the 21st of June, which is the day the Jesuits get their changes. Yeah. And totally unexpectedly, I was down for Clongos as lower line prefect to succeed the great father, Jim Morn. Mm. And that also involved um, training a very good rugby team that he had. And as a rugby coach, I, I wasn't hectic. And that was that was a lot of pressure. But um, Jim was very supportive. And a friend of his, a fellow called um, Dr. Ollie Burke, yeah, was a junior doctor in one of the hospitals in Dublin, and he was just fantastic. Without him, I wouldn't have managed. And then I remember as well, we were very busy as prefects. You'd, your day would start at half seven in the morning and end at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, you had little pockets of time off, but you were you were there the whole time. And then we also had to get a teaching qualification, like the higher diploma in education, the equivalent of it. But yeah. In Clongos had the right to give their own certificate. And I don't know if you remember Jerry O'Byrne, Father <laughs> Jerry O'Byrne, the father. I Pops, do indeed. As well as kind of being around when the boys were around, we'd go to their room in after supper every evening. 
and they'd have a, a big fire and box of chocolates for the poor scholastics, and then they'd launch into the history of education or theory or pedagogy, all kinds of different things, and we'd all fall fast asleep in front of the fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then jump up and run down and continue our our routine. So, and there were there were other scholastics that that was a lovely thing. There was kind of um, friends doing the same job. Yeah. Well, I see in your group that joined twenty nine novices joined the Jays at the same time. I mean, those days are historical. Those numbers are historical. So, so now you wouldn't long, have that company. Long, long yeah. since yeah. passed. Yeah, amazing, really. When you think of it, there were there were fifty novices in the noviceship one night when I was there. Well, wow. which, which is amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I had lunch recently with Michael Shield in the castle, and there's only five people in the community. That, in my memory, is uh, un unbelievable, incredible that uh, yeah. that is a community now. You know what I mean? So things mm -hmm. have changed. Yeah. Are there changes for good, Liam? Do you think over the years that you've seen the place progress over your three stints down there? Oh, I do. I, I think the changes are for the good. When I went back as headmaster, I'd been on the board and we, we knew that um, Clongus was going to have to change if it was going to survive. Mm. And that there was a fellow called Brian Wilson, a past pupil of the school, who worked in one of the banks. Mm. And he was into um, strategic planning and he had somebody from the bank, a fellow called Dr. Sean Brophy, who was uh, an expert in strategic planning. So when I went back in 1987, thanks to Brian and to Sean Brophy, the board of management started having lengthy meetings. We'd meet on a Friday evening and a Saturday morning, and um, we'd look at what were the strengths of the school, the weaknesses, who were the stakeholders? What were our predictions for the future? How would we cater for people with different types of intelligence, study, learning? And it was it was a very powerful thing. You had 14 people from the board and from associate and from the staff planning. And when Bruce Bradley became headmaster after me, he not only carried this on, but then started implementing the findings as well. So it's fairly visionary then to have, be even thinking about that in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. It was very good. And um, I wouldn't have come up with that on my own, but, but but thanks to the expertise that was out there and the goodwill that was out there as well, hmm. um, everybody saw that the supply of Jesuit prefects was dwindling um Families were smaller, the family dynamics were different, all kinds of things. So it was it was a very powerful um, instrument for, for helping Clangos to adapt. And there was no fear that the, the Jesuit ethos would get diluted, or that was obviously a clear focus? Of well, it, it, it was discussed, but yeah. it, it, it didn't actually happen. And I think the prefects that did come and... Um, the staff as well, the league staff, have bought into it very much, I think. Mm. And in your view, how did Clongos compare or contrast with what you'd experienced in Crescent or in Belvedere? Or the challenges the same? Crescent Boston is co-educational, and I enjoyed that, that side of the school. And I think co-education would be my, my preferred option for school. But it, 
the Clangles Board did when I was there discuss going co-educational. It was a discussion I remember vaguely hearing whispers that it had been, it wasn't discarded, it had been a thought at one point. Yeah, it, it would have been a gigantic um, step when while I was there. Mm. And it would always have been wrong to bring in girls so that boys would have a better experience. It would have had to be a good experience for all. And we felt that in the 1980s, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the challenges even now are, are continue. The, the proximity to Dublin, you know, some people see it as a five-day school. It's, I mean, the challenges still exist, but, but it has a niche there with an education that seems yeah. to be highly valued. So that mm. still continues. Yeah, yeah. And while most schools thrive as five-day schools, um, something would have been lost in Clongos if we opted for the five-day model. There was a lot of things happen um, over the weekend. And uh, so we decided to stay a seven-day boarding school. It's a small niche in what people are looking for, but a lot of people uh, are looking for a seven-day boarding school. Mm. And obviously results and the academics have become increasingly important over the years, haven't they? Absolutely, yes. And that's why I admire um, a lot of the changes that came in when when I left. Things like uh, the new library and the annex rooms for um, special tuition and things like that. Mm. People have coped very well with different learning styles and um, people with different learning needs and so on. I admire an awful lot of the changes that have taken place since I left. Mm. It wasn't like to go there as, as scholastic at 26. I mean, when you look back now, we all thought you were really old people. And when you think back, God, I've been afraid to be in charge of anybody at 26 myself. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I was a little bit older. I was probably <laughs> six or six years older when I met you. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was kind of grim. I remember meeting first person I met was a boy who was going into grammar, going into second year. Hmm. And he came early. His dad brought him down. And I remember talking to the two of them outside the castle and trying to make him welcome and tell him about the school. But he knew as much about the school as I did at that stage. I remember turning off the lights the first day back and breathing a sigh of relief and saying, well, I got this for her anyway. <laughs> it, it, it was daunting, to say the least. Mm. And the outstanding memory of when you first saw the place, what would that be in your mind? I know you're a photographer, Liam, so you must have a visual. Theme. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. And uh, when I was headmaster, every morning I used to walk down to the, um, the main avenue to the very end without a, a coach. Yeah. Brisk walk down, brisk walk back and go up then and take morning study. And... It was just beautiful. That there were hares in the um, field on the right, and you, you'd be looking out for them. Even on frosty weather, you'd see them, and they get up on their hind legs and they um, they scan the surrounding territory to see that they're safe. Yeah, and oh, it's just the whole thing. And then the sky was different every day. It was it was was and is a beautiful place. And you still go back. I do. I was I was back, um, I think, two years ago now to say the school mass and I dropped into the cemetery 
Yeah, that was getting very fully Cyril Power yeah. and uh, Brother Clanville and Jerry O'Byrne and I mean, Pop- if you remember the old, uh, uh, without being morbid, cemetery was small. It's a uh, very expanded now. You know, it comes out beyond the white gates. You know, there's a new patch there. It's uh, much bigger than I remember in the good it's, old it's, days. It's, that's right. They, it, there was the old section, and yeah. as you say, it come out as well. But it, it sounds morbid talking about it, but for, for me, the, there are lovely memories of those mm. people, and they were kind and they were different and uh, they were welcoming. I, I had a beard, and that could have been uh, contentious, but it was <laughs> time. They, yeah, it, when they got to know you, they were, they were lovely. Mm. There was another thing. We were on a kind of a, a roundabout during the day, half seven in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, with um, very little time off and an afternoon a week in Dublin where you could go up and have a picture and a steak and come home in the bus to yeah. Manu. But when summer holidays came around, the Scholastic said, we'd love to go to Greece. And the provincial wasn't too keen because it sounded <laughs> like a luxury holiday. Yeah, yeah. But Paddy Crow and the other Jesuits said, oh, no, no, this is an educational trip. And they sold that to the provincial government. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the routine, the daily routine was tough, but the holidays were great. God, the good memories. And yeah. in terms of the management skills you would have learnt or pre-learnt when you took up the role, say, of headmaster over your three stints, well, how were they acquired? Through experience, Liam? Uh, I suppose they were. I would have uh, had a year's experience at a boarding school. But Paddy Crow did a very interesting thing. There was uh, an institute in, in London called the Tavistock Institute. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of attached to the Anglican Church, but they also had management. And there was one of their people used to come over to um, Dublin once a month. And I'd have a three-hour meeting with him. And the person would never visit the school, but they'd get my mental map of the school. It was very intense. Three hours is a long time. Mm. And I'd be talking about what I thought the challenges were. And then I'd come back the next month and he'd point out that I was contradicting myself or that um, I had spoken about this last since at the last meeting and what had I done to address it. So it was very, very challenging and um, very helpful. I thought Paddy was, and I I also suspect very, very expensive, but Paddy was very go ahead in in, in things like that, in management skills and so on. Yeah, well, he was also my first headmaster and he was strict and he had a vision. Well, he put the place back on the, the map and that was his role in the early days, yeah. I didn't realise he was that visionary, yeah. As well as that, there there had been a movement within the Jesuit order as well that we'd attend to the effective side of our lives. Willpower and um, a toughness had been encouraged in my early time in the society. But then a Jesuit um, psychologist from California called Father Jim Gill mm. came and talked to us about... Um, admitting to our ambiguities and to our vulnerabilities and so on. 
And that was very new in the 70s and 80s. And I think that had a big effect on all the works that Jesuits did in the Irish province. And it certainly helped me a lot. And when you had master, there was no corporate punishment, was there? No, there was no corporate punishment when I was headmaster. And in fact, in 1970, this isn't to my own credit now, but one night I went out and blew the whistle for everybody to come in and go to benediction. Oh, I remember that. I don't remember the whistle, but I remember benediction, yeah. Yeah, and I went out and I blew the whistle, <laughs> and these 20 boys and a lovely summer me <laughs> went on playing and in inverted commas, chose not to listen, hear me. Mm. So when they came in, I had a pandy bat and I gave each of them two slaps, one on each hand and all 20 of them. And when the last one was coming in, I said, this is the craziest thing I ever did. This is just pure temper and tiredness and bad judgment all happening at once. Mm. So from that day in May 1970 onwards, I never I never used the pandy bat. And when I came back in your time, I, I, I didn't use it, I'm happy to say. Well, I wish I'd done that. I would have been bolder. <laughs> <laughs> Not my memory, Ross. <laughs> and is there one memory that sticks out of the place that danced around your head if somebody said Klongos to you? The orchestra was was lovely. I remember preparing for a school brochure and photographing the orchestra out in front of the castle. And I, I think what Tommy Kelly and Morris Kane and Michael Weedle in, in my time achieved was just wonderful that you had people who um, dedicated so much of their time to the orchestra. That was one thing. And... Um, Another lovely memory I have is of watching Vinnie Murray teaching rugby, but it, it was his sessions were started with rocking. Yeah. And he'd have um he had drills and you'd have a rock with two people, then a rock with four people, then a rock with five, and it was step by step and everybody changed roles with everybody else and everybody knew what everybody else was doing. Mm. And I used to love on, on a Wednesday if there were matches walking around and just looking at all of the different matches and the participation. And that's that one word, participation and um, people blossoming in, in, in different areas. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, you, you have seen that over the years. Yeah. And was rugby coaching something you enjoyed doing? No, so I didn't bring great <laughs> skill to it, I must say, but I... When I went back in your time, I was doing the thirds rugby. That's right. Yeah. I enjoyed that a lot because um, there were some very good rugby players in Clongus who weren't um, big or who didn't want to go for the senior team and were still very skillful. And mm. um, I have good memories of that. Yeah. Not as a very skillful coach, I, I fear. Well, you just be modest. You know, we were coached by people who knew a lot more than we did, so everything was good. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and the photography is something you picked up in later in life, or were you always into that, Liam? Um, I edited the Clongonian for the years I was headmaster. And the first year I, I did it, I got it critiqued by the Jesuit Communication Centre. And they said, <laughs> too much print, not enough photographs. 
and that if you have a photograph in an article, significantly larger number of people will read the article because of the photograph. So I went out and I bought a £300 camera and um, it was very hard to take a bad photograph with it. And that's, let's say, when it started. But I'm now very self-indulgent when there's no Clongonian. I'm just doing it for my own pleasure. I just, I get a great kick out of it. I've seen of them, as you know, I think they're very good. So it's more than self-indulgent. Just keep sharing them. I will. And, uh, <laughs> and if I asked you pieces of music then, Liam, that take you back okay. to um, them. I had three pieces, but... Um, you want me to pick one, don't no, you? No, well, any ones, there's no limits. So pieces okay, yeah. of music that bring you back there. Yeah, well, one that brings me back a lot was I joined the orchestra, the B orchestra, the orchestra where you were allowed to make mistakes. And Morris Kane ran the school orchestra, which would enter for the fest. Yeah. And then there was this other one, which was full of substitute players who might make it to the A orchestra. And I, I had learned the recorder and I had done grade four in the recorder. So Morris took me on as a clarinet student and I joined the, the B orchestra. And um, one of the pieces we played was Farndole by Bizet. Yeah. And I never particularly liked the music, but every um, part of the orchestra is brought in at different times. And it's a lovely feeling to be part of something bigger than yourself. And I just love that. Mm. And uh, during the summer holidays, then during the month of months of May and June, Morris ran a Castle Brown Orchestra. And we I remember we'd go to... Um, that sounds like a legal organisation. <laughs> <laughs> it was... We we did concerts in Ballymore, Eustace, and um, wow. another town late at night, summer festival concerts. So that was good fun too. And um, another thing, I I got a present from the lower line of um, Horse Lips a compilation of those in probably 1976, I'd say. And Derek Dunn was mm. was was on that, and I'd say that's. I didn't like it at first. It's very kind of heavy bass guitars and all that, but it's it's really wonderful music when you get to know it and to listen to it. So there are two offerings. Great. I mean, the horses, when we forget, there was all over the place in those late 70s. It was incredible. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, I was talking to Will Sargent. He rode it for uh, the horse tips. And then it was a Godfrey Dini's brother or something was involved in managing them for a while. It was they were that's the right. I, I remember that. Yes, I always thought they were kind of uh, bar stories, but I, I found out they're all true. The Dini's were there, and uh, Will Sarger was telling me that he used to go around carrying their uh, roadie stuff, you know, for a while. Funny. And yeah. if I was ask you a piece of scripture, that would uh, your favorite piece of scripture. There, there's one piece in the Old Testament where um, Jacob is going through a bad patch and he has a, goes to sleep one night and in his dream he sees heaven and earth connected by a ladder and angels going up and down the ladder and he says, when he wakes up, he said, God was here all the time. Even when I didn't notice it. And I like that a lot because lots of times things happen around me and I feel I'm on my own or I feel 
feel sorry for myself. And then looking back, you can see that um, there was support and that um, God is faithful and God is loving, even when you're not feeling it. And that I, I return to that a good deal, that, that particular passage and that image of the ladder between heaven and earth. And in terms of your alma mater, that is still present. Belleville doesn't make the Kurt Klongos. It's still present in your mind, is it? Well, Belvedere was where I did my my leaving certificate. And mm. Belvedere was um, a nice school, but I, I kind of, my heart is in Crescent, if I, if I have to be honest, because yeah. I spent longer there than anywhere else. But when Klongos are playing rugby and when I meet people from Klongos, it's a great memory and um, there's a lot of affection for for people there. And I made a lot of mistakes in Klongos. I might have been a bit harsh and rigid, particularly um, in, in my first stay there. And that's because I was very came from a very sheltered background and didn't have a lot to compare it to. But uh, I have lovely memories of Klangos and um, love to visit it and to um, to revisit it. I was asked you to sum the place up in a thought or a word, Liam. What might that be? I remember two funerals. Now this again, I hope isn't morbid, but one was Jimmy Tracy, Jim yeah, Tracy, Jim Tracy, who was uh, a fellow who worked in institutions all his life and yeah. kids might have made fun of him but the boys in Clongos were very friendly with him and when he died the whole school mourned the passing of Jimmy and that, mm. that tells me something very important about um, about the values of the place it has might have a, a reputation for being um, kind of a, a snobby school but I didn't find much snobbiness in Clongos. And then another funeral was Vinnie Murray's funeral. And yeah. um, just the the affection and the sense of loss. It was... It was um, I was there at the turn of the century, yeah, 99, 2000, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was a strange place to be walking up the avenue, but it's a very wholesome feeling about the crowd that was there and yeah, what he meant yeah. to the place, yeah. Liam O'Connell, I want to thank you for joining us on Portraits of Clongos. Mm-hmm.